It's good to see everyone. Thank our worship team for getting us prepared to uh, worship God. Uh, Let's go to God with the word of prayer. And uh, let's get into our message for today. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father God, we want to thank you for uh, waking us this morning, Father, for giving us a beautiful day to come before you to worship, to uh, call on you, God, to learn from you, to uh, fellowship with one another. Father, we know that uh, there are uh, a lot of things going on in our lives, and uh, we don't always have the answer, but we know that you do. And I pray that you will help us to humbly seek you, uh, to cling for you, to pursue you every day uh, as we hope to uh, become more like your son. Uh, I do pray, Father, that as we learn about the spiritual disciplines, that uh, we'll take them as intended, God, as uh, the purpose for drawing us nearer to you and to uh, transforming our, our lives to be more like your son, Christ Jesus. I pray this for the young, I pray this for the old, and I pray this for those of us in the middle. Uh, and for those who are visiting for the first time, who are unsure uh, of what your will is for their lives, God, I pray that you will make that crystal clear as well. Uh, let my words be yours. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, today we're going to look at a topic that I personally have not heard anyone preach on uh, in my 20-plus years as a Christian. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, oftentimes you're encouraged to do something without being taught about how or why. And this is one of the topics that I've been encouraged to do a lot in my walk with Christ, to fast. But I never really understood the why or the how sometimes. And we'll look at, you know, we're going we're gonna to do a study. So I hope you guys have your, your uh, learning caps on and just stay awake with me for a little bit because we're going to do a little, this is going to be, uh, you know, I'll, I'll preach a little bit here when, when, it, when it calls for it, but we're going to do some learning here this morning because I do believe that this is a discipline that God expects us to practice, but I'm not sure a lot of us understand the biblical teachings about fasting. And so we're going to look at the Old Testament where we first learn and we first encounter fasting. And then next week, our brother Ed McCall is going to take us into the New Testament. I hope that's what he's going to do. But, uh, yeah, we, we've been talking. So he'll, he'll talk, he'll look at the uh, New Testament fasting, and, and hopefully we can together answer the question, well, this is, is this something I need to do today? And if so... How can I fast in a way that pleases the Lord? All right? Does that make sense? Now, guys, I want to prepare you. I got a whole lot of scriptures. We're not going to look at all of them, but I got a lot of scriptures. All right? So if you're visiting with with us for the first time, uh, you know we do like to use the Bible in church. So we're going to have a lot of scriptures for you. So if you you can't keep up, don't worry. You can take your phone. You can snap uh, pictures of the scriptures. I try to do my best to... uh, set you guys up to win. So let's jump right into this. When you fast, Jesus gave this, uh, as he taught towards the end of his Sermon on the Mount, you know, this was a practice in the Jewish community. So when Jesus spoke to his disciples about fasting, they had approached Jesus about, uh, he was approached about the question, uh, you know, John's disciples were fasting, the Pharisees' disciples were fasting, but your disciples Don't fast. And so Jesus took a a moment to really teach about the heart about fasting, about why we fast. And he gave a little bit about the purpose of fasting, and that we're not going to get into today. Uh, Ed's going to take you there next week. I'm setting you up, Ed. All right? So, but right here in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus opens up and he says, when you fast, So there is an expectation for disciples and followers of Christ to fast. Now, we came 2,000 years later, so we're not from that culture of fasting. We actually are the Gentiles. We are the ones who, uh, you know, Paul went to preach and and went on his missionary journeys to say, so we're kind of coming in on the tail end of things, and this is not a part of our culture. This is not a part of our tradition. We actually have to learn what it means to fast. And so since we're disciples of Jesus, some of us are, 
are learning and, and, and inquiring about it, we need to know, all right, this is an expectation. Just as reading my Bible, praying, and giving sacrificially to the Lord. So we are expected to fast. I like this quote by Richard Foster in his book, The Celebration of Discipline. If you want a book, if you're really serious about growing spiritually, I encourage you to get this book, The Celebration of Discipline. When I first saw the title, I thought, how can you celebrate discipline? Like, that just doesn't sound encouraging to me, but if you're trying to be like Jesus, then you will celebrate because you'll grow. I like this quote because he talks about fasting like this. He says, in a culture where the landscape is dotted with shrines to the golden arches, and in an assortment of pizza temples, fasting seems out of place, out of step with the times. Some people look at fasting as an old school thing. That's what they do in the old school. Or that's what Jewish people do. That's not what we do. In fact, any disciple of Jesus, anyone taking a serious walk with, walk with God seriously will fast. Now, this topic, as I was reading, as, as I was studying through, I had some emotional moments here because I don't know if you can tell or not, but I like to eat. And I think for most people, when you start, when you talk about a couple things, it, it strikes a nerve. Money being one and food being the other. You're telling me I need to give up my money to a God I've never seen. That challenges people's faith. But it also makes people uncomfortable because we like our money. And if your money is funny, then you definitely don't want to part ways with your money. But some people are like that with food. Now, I got to confess, my wife's not here, but she would say amen. She'd probably be the loudest one in the room. Whenever we go out to eat, we, go, we pick a restaurant where I know that they have, you know, food that we both like or whatever. And if I look through the menu and I find something that I really like, that I'm, I'm just, I can't wait to enjoy, I order it. And then my wife orders what she wants. So when my food comes out, I'm looking to enjoy what I ordered. I'm thinking about what's laid before me. I'm not looking in her direction because I didn't order what she ordered. She ordered what she wanted because that's what she wanted. So now all of a sudden, I notice her eyes peering over to my plate. And I'm like, can I help you? Like, something wrong? Can I, can I taste it? And look, I'm your minister. God appointed me to be an evangelist in his church, in his kingdom. And I struggle every time someone wants something off my plate. I'm like, why didn't you order this if you want? I didn't want the whole thing. I just wanted to taste it. I don't want to taste yours because if I wanted to taste it, I want to. I, you, you get what I'm saying? So we can be that way when it comes to our food. So now God who's supposed to be all loving, his love endures forever, is telling us to abstain from food. Now, some people take this to extremes. Some have exalted religious fasting beyond all scripture and reason, and others have utterly disregarded it. I remember having a conversation with the lady who told me, asked me, how often do I fast? I said, well, you know, I usually fast when I need to. She said, oh, no, 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 no. You should fast every week. You should fast every Monday. And you should fast every, and I'm like, whoa, where is that in the Bible? But she was, I mean, she was very passionate to the point where I felt like, man, am I Christian? Am I, am I saved? Because she was so strong about it. She was so passionate and I thought, man, I'm doing something wrong. So I had to go back to my Bible because I want to make sure that I'm doing whatever pleases the Lord. And so some people can really take this and exalt it to a point to where they, they don't even consult Scripture before they decide how to implement fasting in their lives. And so we got to be very careful when it comes to fasting. Some people consider fasting unnecessary. They go to the other extreme. 
undesirable. And so they ignore it. But Jesus says, when you fast. Fasting focuses on a matter that's very personal to us. Food. We've had Robert Brace come here and do many lessons on the love affair with food. Some people have a love affair with food. Some people are very dependent on food, not just for survival. You know, before some people uh, depend on food to deal with anxiety, depression, or boredom. You know, some people, when they're hurt, when they're sad, they go to ice cream or they'll go to potato chips or they'll go to something food-related. So there are some people who have an unhealthy dependence on food. Uh, for some people, rather than eating to live, they live to eat. I'm somewhere in the middle. Because I love to eat. I, love, I just love to eat. Uh, you know, for me, it's like preaching on greed or smoking. There's a lot of people who smoke. There's a lot of people who like buying things. So there's certain messages that when you preach it, you get this chill down your spine because you're like, All right, how are they going to receive this? When you start talking about weight and you start talking about money and people are struggling in those areas, they can get very sensitive and tune you out because that's not what I want to hear. But you see, if we're going to be like Jesus, then we need to be open to whatever God is calling us to change in our lives. Even if it means reevaluating some of the convictions we've held up until this point. So, I don't know about you, maybe this is the fifth message you've heard on fasting. I'm just asking you to give me a few minutes so we can talk about this. Is that all right with you? Now, we have many examples of fasting in the scriptures, and we're going to look at a lot of them. We're not going to go through all the scriptures, but we're going to look at a lot of them. You know, most of the spiritual men and women we read about in the Bible fasted. And, uh, you know, you have examples of people like Moses and David and Elijah and Esther, Queen Esther, who fasted, Daniel, uh, Anna the prophetess, Jew Jesus himself. I mean, he, you know, if Jesus fasted, that's, that's just enough for us right there. Paul the apostle fasted. And so we need to consider making fasting a part of our walk. Uh, there's more teaching on fasting in the New Testament than there is about repentance and confessing sin. Do you know that? There's more teaching about fasting. Jesus taught more about fasting than he taught about baptism or taking the Lord's Supper. So I think that this is important. If Jesus spent a lot of time talking about something, teaching on something, then we need to really consider that. So let's go into this. Old Testament fasting. The first time we're introduced to fasting is not actually called fasting. It's called, it's the Day of Atonement. It was, uh, it was a command that God had given the Israelites through Moses and the leaders. God wanted the Israelites to set apart a specific day where they would focus entirely on him. This day, this special day, included a day of Sabbath where they would not work. They would not do anything. Their animals would not work. And they wanted, God wanted their focus to be entirely on them. And this was called the day of fasting. I mean, the day of atonement. Today, it's known as Yom Kippur. And you can see that practice in the Jewish community. There's some differences. Uh, you know, there's some differences. There's a lot of similarities uh, from the ways practiced in the Old Testament. But for the most part, uh, the reason is the same. You know, the Day of Atonement. So let's look at uh, some scriptures here. Now, the meaning of the word atonement simply means, if you break it down, it's at one mint. And the word basically means to become one. It means reconciliation. It means to become one with God, to be reconciled with God. So the word atonement comes from uh, basically being, meaning to be one with God. Now, you don't really see this word a lot in the New Testament. The only time you see this word used in the New Testament or its similarity is when it comes to reconciliation and when we're talking about Christ. And so atonement in the New Testament you can see as being reconciled, a day of where you reconcile to Christ. Now how often are we called to be reconciled in the New Testament? 
We're called to repent daily, right? We need to repent constantly of our sins. So God doesn't set aside one day for us to repent in the New Testament because we need to walk in a perpetual uh, repentant state with Christ every day because Jesus died for our sins. And I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I just want you to understand that how and where this all comes from. Now, in Leviticus 16, I want you to notice how the word is used in different translations because it comes, it brings us to the point of what uh, fasting means. So here in Leviticus 16, verse 29, says, this is to be a lasting ordinance for you on the 10th day of the seventh month. You must deny yourselves. So right here, this word, this phrase, deny yourself, is replaced with fasting. So we know that fasting requires denying yourself, right? All right, we're going to go through, I'm not going to let you read all of it. We're going to go through some. Now here, Leviticus 23, verse 26, says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, also the tenth day of this seventh month shall be the day of atonement, the day of fasting. It shall be a holy convocation for you. You shall afflict your souls. Afflict your souls. And offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. And you shall not do work on that same day, for it is the day of atonement. To make atonement for you before the Lord your God. For any person who is not afflicted in soul... On that same day shall be cut off from his people. And any person who does, not, who does any work on the same day, that person I will destroy from among his people. You shall no, do no manner of work. It shall be a statue forever uh, throughout your generation and all your dwellings. It shall be with you to you a Sabbath of solemn rest, and you shall afflict your souls. All right, let's look at the next one. Numbers 29, verse 7. Uh, this is the new... American Standard Bible version says, then on the 10th day of the seventh month, you shall have a holy convocation and you shall humble yourselves and you shall not do any work. In the new revised standard version, it says you shall humble your souls. So what do we see here? Fasting involves three major states and and, uh, spiritual states. Denying ourselves afflicting our souls, and humbling our souls. And so the focus we see here is God is is pointing to the very core of who we are. Our very, the very depths of our soul. So though it's not called fasting, the phrase afflict one's soul should be understood to refer to fasting. Now it was the only day, the only time that, we are, that the, the Israelites were commanded to fast. Okay? That's very important. Now, uh, Psalm 69, the New Revised Standard Version, the psalmist writes, I humble my soul in fasting. I humble my soul in fasting. And so, here we see that this phrase suggests that the purpose of fasting is to have an effect on our souls. Not on our bodies. Now, some people fast to lose weight. There's this thing called intermittent fasting. That's something totally different. The goal of spiritual fasting is to have an impact on our soul. It's to get us to a point to where we are humbled before God. That's the whole point of afflicting your soul. Does that make sense? Now, let's look at a few examples of these fasts in the Old Testament. Now, you have examples uh, of the Israelites and different, uh, you know, spiritual men and women who often fasted in war or at the threat of war. Uh, When the Israelites, they fasted at Bethel in the war against the Benjamites. They wanted, they sought God's favor. So they they fasted and they asked the Lord if they should uh, attack the, uh, go to war with the, uh, the Benjamites or not. Uh, also at Mizpah, in the uh, Philistine War, they fasted. They fasted when a loved one was sick. You see this in David. After David uh, had the affair with Bathsheba, and the Lord, through uh, Nathan, told him that his son would die, David went to God, and he fasted. He fasted, and he wept for his son. Uh, you also see in Psalm 35, the psalm also mentioned that he fasted for his enemies. Think about that. 
He fasted for his enemies. And you so, when's the last time you did that? You went to, for people that you knew just did not have your best interest at heart. And instead of turning away, you fasted for their hearts to turn to God. And not because you want them to leave you alone, but because you really want them to turn to God. And so you see, that's a great example right there. They also fasted when a loved one died. Uh, The men of Jabesh Gilead, they fasted seven days after King Saul uh, had died in battle. They also, David and the people fasted for both Saul and Jonathan uh, during that war. So we see that people fasted when loved ones passed away. Uh, They also fasted to seek out God's forgiveness. Uh, They felt really, uh, they felt stricken. By their sin, they felt guilty, and they wanted to go to God for relief, and so they fasted to seek out God's forgiveness. Moses fasted 40 days because of the sin of Israel. He went to God, and he fasted for his people. You know, that shows a really love and dedication uh, to, to your church. You know, if you see things uh, that, that's going on in someone's life, instead of complaining about it, why not take it to God? That's a good reason to fast. Uh, Ahab, he fasted to be forgiven. Nineveh, I love this story. If you ever read the story about Jonah, that's a great story, great example. Uh, Nineveh fasted at the preaching of Jonah. Uh, Jonah preached but then to repent. He didn't want to preach that message. God sent them anyway. And when he did, they fasted and they repented. And so that is a great example. Daniel fasted as he confessed the sins of Israel. Uh, there was a general fast. It's a public reading of the law that Ezra gave when he was calling people back to the word of God. And then lastly, they fasted when they faced it impending danger. When they faced it, uh, you know, uh, a threat of war. Or, you know, Jehoshaphat fasted when he was threatened by Edom. Uh, Ezra led a fast when they were seeking God's favor toward his return from the exile. It was a dangerous trip. He wanted to make sure that God would be with them. And so they fasted. And they humbled themselves before God. Uh, Nehemiah fasted when he heard about the state of Jerusalem. You know, I think when we hear about the different things on the news, when we hear about the state of our country, instead of getting upset and taking it to social media, why not take it to God and fast for it? So we see that when people were concerned about their nation, the state of their country, instead of complaining and protesting, they took it to someone who could actually do something about it which was God Almighty. And so we have an example right here. The Jews fasted when they heard that Haman had obtained a king's decree against them. Uh, Haman was about to wipe out the Jews. And so they went to God and they fasted. And then Esther and Mordecai fasted before she went before the king, seeking out his favor because she knew that Haman wanted to wipe out her people. These are great examples We have so many examples, and these are just a few examples of people and God's people fasting in the Old Testament, seeking out the Lord. Now, I know that, again, we look at the Old Testament and say, well, James, that's the Old Testament. Aren't we in the New Testament? Yes, we are, but... When you look at the reasons that these people fasted, we can still pull that into our time today. You can't tell me that our country doesn't need people begging and calling out to God for. All the things that we hear, and and oftentimes, you know, you feel overwhelmed and and you feel like, man, God, is is anything going to ever change? You can't, how many people can you share your faith with? How many people can you study the Bible? It just, it's never going to be enough. And so God can do something about it. I mean, when you look at what God did through Nineveh, he turned an entire nation around. God did that. And Jonah didn't even want to talk to him. But because he knew that God was compassionate and God would forgive, they turned to God. You know, God can turn whole households around. If someone intercedes on that household's behalf through prayer and fasting. And so, what are the purposes of fasting in the Old Testament? I'm glad you asked. You guys want to learn. The purpose of fasting. Fasting was done 
purposely. It wasn't just something people, well, we'll get to that point. Some people did do it just for show. But the main purpose of fasting was to afflict the soul. That means to really get yourself to a point of humility before God, to humble the soul, to deny yourself. The purpose of affliction, self-denial, was to humble yourself. Now, if you fasted before and you have not experienced that, then you need to ask yourself, did you really fast the way you should fast? Now, again, God is gracious. God understands because we haven't done a whole lot of teaching on this. And so as I was preparing this, I'm thinking, man, that makes a lot of sense now because I remember the last fast I did, I didn't really feel a change. I didn't notice anything. And if I'm honest, I think that my purpose, that my focus was off with the fast. And so we got to really make sure that our hearts are being humbled before God. This is why most fasts in the Old Testament, matter of fact, all of them contain food. I don't know of anything else that can humble a person than denying them food. Kids scream. Even children, they cry when they're hungry, right? After church, that's the first thing my kids tell me. They don't say, Daddy, good message. Daddy, I have fun in children's ministry. They're like, I'm hungry. And then I feel compelled to feed them. Now, if I wanted to humble them, I'd be like, you know. And sometimes they have to fast from the trip here, the ride here to home. So it's like, look, you're going to wait till we get home. And so I'm teaching them a little bit about fast, but it wasn't planned. But you know, you get what I'm saying. You want to humble somebody, take away their food. And so God uses something that we need, but here's the thing. He only commanded it once. So when we're talking about humbling ourselves before God, God leaves it up to us. He puts the ball in our court because we do have free will. And so God is not going to say, I want you to fast on this day, this time, every day. That's not what God's going to do. God is going to because it's what we want. We're going to him. And we need to humble ourselves before God. And fasting can absolutely do that. So, you know, you look at different purposes. Again, some people fasted for the forgiveness of sin. Moses, Ahab, Daniel. Uh, if there's a sin you're wrestling with in your life, humble yourself before God. There's a, a bad habit you need to overcome that you just feel powerless to. Humble yourself before God. Uh, their loved ones uh, being restored to health. You know, there were people, you look at, um, you, know, da- you know, David, that's one example. Hezekiah was one who went before God. He humbled himself. And the Lord added 15 years to his life. Uh, protection from danger. You know, Ezra fasted, asking God to protect them on their trip. You know, you go into a trip somewhere and you're feeling really nervous about it or you, you need to, you know, uh, you need to make a change. Uh, you know, maybe you're changing jobs or you're changing atmosphere, something, changing ministries. Take a day and fast and ask God to help your trip to be successful. Deliverance from your enemies. You know, some of us don't have to go far to find an enemy. Some of our enemies are at work. Some of our enemies are in our neighborhood. Some of our enemies are right in our own homes, in our schools, or in our extended families. And we need to humble ourselves and ask God, Lord, please help me. I need help with this situation. You know, when a church is desperately in need of God's favor, they humble themselves and they go before the Lord and fast it. You know, in April, we're encouraging the church each week this month to practice fasting in our small groups. Because I believe that there are needs we have that God is waiting to meet that need. You know, when I think about all the prayer requests we put before the Lord every week, there are great needs in our church. And that's just a few that we know of. 
So in Harlem, our 2019 month of fasting, we're encouraging the church, let's fast for health. You know, this coming week, any loved ones that you have, or maybe yourself, maybe you would, you know, you just got a recent diagnosis or something, and, or, you know, ask the Lord. Go before the Lord. Let's put it before the Lord as a group, and let's fast for each other. Uh, help. You see, you know, uh, Moses and, and, and Ezra and, and, and Esther, you know, they all went to God asking for God's help, and they humbled themselves. They afflicted their souls because that's how serious they were about asking for help. And then the harvest. You know, David fasted for his enemies. I'm thinking, how much more should we fast for those needing the Lord? There are people in this very room who people were praying and fasting for you to make it. And you had no idea. And your heart changed, your heart turned, and you think that it was you. But it was the power of righteous men and women who were praying and fasting for your very soul. And there are people, there are more people that we're called to intercede for. And so we want to close out the end of the month fasting for the harvest, fasting for people that you haven't even met yet. And maybe there are people you're reaching out to that you know need God in their lives. Maybe there are people that need to come back to God that wandered off. Let's put them all on a prayer list. Let's fast for every single one of them as a group. But we got to get God involved. Amen? Now, our fast is going to be from sunup to sundown because I don't want to kill nobody. I mean that literally and I mean that, you know, figuratively. But I think you got to be wise. And I'm going to give you a few practicals on how to start a fast in just a moment here. But, you know, most fasts didn't really last, you know, in, in, in our Western way of looking at it. Uh, most fasts lasted from sunup till sundown. And matter of fact, you know, we're going to look at this uh, in just a minute. When we're seeking God's favor, most of the fast in the Bible were accompanied with prayer. In fact, I found it very hard to find an example where fasting and praying were not in the same, either in the same passage or the same verse or followed by one or preceding one. And so... Fasting and prayer, we got to devote both to each other. So this is not just a fasting thing. we got to pray and fast because the whole point of humbling yourself is so that you can call on God, right? And so you got to add prayers. I just wanted to make sure I put that out there. Now, the nature of fasting in the Old Testament. Uh, the normal means of fasting involved abstaining from all food but not water, all right? All food but not Water. Now, I, I did a little research, you know, on Google, the master researcher, and it's not healthy to go more than a few days without water. Matter of fact, you could die. All right, just being blunt. I don't think a person can survive three days without water. We have medical professionals here who can correct me if I'm wrong. Now, we can go a longer period of time without food, but not without water. All right? So I don't want you guys going out there trying to do a Moses fast, saying, James, you know what? One day is not good enough. We need to do 40 days. I'm going to be like Jesus, and I'm going to fast food. I'm going to fast water. You're going to end up fasting life if you do that. Okay? So just go to the Bible. Okay? Sometimes the fast was partial. A restriction of a diet, but not a total abstination of food. Now, there's some of us, for medical reasons, you cannot fast food at all. And you got to be very wise about that. You know, whenever you're doing a fast for any, any reason, you need to speak to your medical professionals about that because if you're taking medication and it has to be taken with food or, or you're, you know, you're dealing with some other uh, medical condition and you can't abstain from food, then you have to, you know, you may need to think about something else you can fast. And we'll, you know, I'll give you a few examples later, but I want to be very clear on that, all right? Now, sometimes the fasting was partial. It wasn't uh, an entire fast. For example, here in, um, in Esther, actually, I'm missing the scripture, but in Daniel chapter 10, verse 2, you know, Daniel 
didn't, uh, he didn't necessarily fast all food. He fast good food. See, Daniel was like, I'm not going to have, he's like, I'm not going to eat the choice food. He fasted the tasty food. And he didn't drink any wine. And a matter of fact, the scripture says he didn't even put on perfume. So back in those days, he did, that was their deodorant. Here's the thing. Put on deodorant. <laughs> Unless you're going to fast at home by yourself. If you want your fellowship to be encouraging, put on some perfume oil or whatever it is you do. Okay? I'm just, the point is, is that Daniel didn't do a full, uh, uh, an entire fast. He did a partial fast. So, for example, if you have to eat, then maybe you can just have bread and water. Something like that. Or maybe a fruit fast. I've done this every year. I try to, you know, just to prepare myself for the year, I'll fast 30 days and I'll fast something different. Uh, this year, I fasted meat. A year ago, I fasted. I went on a, um, a Daniel fast. And, you know, these things, you have a plan. But you, they also prepare you for that. You can't just jump right into a 30-day fast without preparation. And so I encourage you to prepare yourself. And when you're breaking your fast, you also have to be wise. So I prepared myself for that 30-day fast. And I'm telling you, it was humbling. Because when you give up something, uh, you desire it all the more. And I wanted meat that I, you know, I wanted meat every, all, all throughout the day. And I'm thinking, man, I wake up wanting meat and I went to sleep wanting meat because I was fasting meat. And so it will be a challenge. And in those moments when you're feeling that tug and it's hard to deny yourself, that's when you go to God in prayer and ask God to give you the strength and remember why you're fasting in the first place. Now, on rare occasions, there was that absolute fast uh, where they did no food or water. And here's one of those examples in Esther 4, verse 15. This was a very intense situation. If you've never read the book of Esther, I encourage you, uh, read that book. If you're looking for courage in your, in your life and you want, that's a great book on courage right there. Uh, it says, then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me, do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. And so here, this was an absolute fast because the situation was literally about life and death. All right? Now, again, I'm assuming that they did not withhold water. I'm thinking that she meant they meant wine because they also, a part of the custom, they had wine with their meals. So I'm assuming that because you can't live without, you know, except in special situations where there are very few examples of anyone going more than a week in fasting, Elijah, Moses, and Jesus. They did 40-day fast, but you better believe God gave them the ability to do that. And it was for a reason, so uh, don't think that you can just go ahead and do that. Um, the length of fasting in the Old Testament. Again, a fast was often... For one day, from sunrise to sunset, after sundown, food was taken. Uh, fast might be for one night. The fast of Esther continued for three days and nights. So, you know, that was a special case. Again, there are people who were about to be, uh, it was just this genocide back in the Old Testament. They were about to be wiped out. Uh, at the burial of Saul, the fast by the Jabez Gilead was seven days. So they fasted a week. David fasted seven days because, again, this is a matter of life and death for his son. He was begging God to, to, uh, to save his son. Uh, the longest fast recorded in Scripture were for 40 days by Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. Um, so, again, these are examples that we have of these absolute fasts. Now, I, do, I did find that there are warnings in the Scriptures about how and when and why to fast. And we have to look at, you can't look at all the other things and not look at the warnings that God gave his people. So there are some warnings concerning fasting in the Bible. Now, in Isaiah 58, you know, Isaiah was dealing with a lot of religiosity. And God had sent him to prophesy about 
the fact that people were worshiping with their mouths but not with their hearts. And fasting was one of those examples because, you know, when they fasted, they, they were showing everybody how righteous they were. They were showing everyone how devout they were. I fast twice a week, and, and I fasted. And so they tried to take things above and beyond uh, to, to show how spiritual they were. But God spoke through, through Isaiah, and he got on to people about the outward signs but not being renewed on the inside. And Isaiah 58, verse 3 says, why have we fasted? So now the people are like, well, we, we fasted to God, but for what reason? We didn't get what we wanted. And so now they're complaining. This is why have we fasted, they said, you, you, and you have not seen it. Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Like, we, we didn't get what we wanted for, so why did we fast? And so... They had not been fasting for the right reasons. And therefore, they were not heard by God. So yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please. You exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarrel and strife. And in striking each other with wicked fists, you cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. In other words, you're coming to me asking me to do something for you, yet you're disrespecting your husband. You're unloving to your wife. You're harsh to your children. You're mean to your co-workers. You're deceitful to your brothers and sisters. And then you come to me and expect me to answer and call your call. God is like, no, no, no. No, 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 no. That's not going to work. You see, that outward display of bowing one's head, spreading sackcloth and ashes, the Lord said, I would prefer, I would prefer you to loose the chains of injustice. Untie the cords of the yoke. Set the oppressed free. Share your food with the hungry. Provide the poor whatever they need. Shelter. And when you see the naked, clothe him. Don't turn him away. Don't turn away your flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your, your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, here I am. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk. You see, God is not looking for a bunch of people to just show up to church. He's looking for people who are serious about loving him and loving their neighbor. God is like, look, all these things are going on, and you're coming before me. That's not going to work. I need you to change. I need you to humble yourself. And then I'll listen to you. You know, Peter talks about this in, in, in his letter with the husbands. He said, you praying to God, but you're insensitive to your wife. You're inconsiderate towards your wife. The Lord's not going to listen to your prayers. So all those prayers you've been letting up and begging and calling, God is like, you talking to me? You want to treat your wife like that, and then you come to me, ask me to help you? Love your wife first. Then call on me, and I'll listen. I'll listen. In other words, fasting without true repentance defeats the purpose of fasting. To having your prayers heard by the Lord. It leads us to a closer relationship with God. Now the same point was made about ceremonial fast that had 
been added by the Israelites to commemorate certain, you know, occasions. You can read that in Zechariah chapter 7, verses 1 through 14. You know, the people, they wanted to, to know if they should fast on special occasions and things that they had done. And, and the Lord responded that the fast, that their fast had not been done for him. In Zechariah chapter 7, verse 6, it says, Then the word of the Lord Almighty came to me, ask the people of the land... And the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months for the past 70 years, was it really for me that you fasted? And you, and when you were eating and drinking, were you not just feasting for yourselves? And so God is, is, is really concerned about where we're at when we're doing, when we're fasting. He wants to make sure that we are truly humbling ourselves before him. Because then the change will happen. The change will happen. The transformation will take place. And the Lord will come to our aid. You know, God was more concerned about how his people treated one another. Even more so than about the offerings they gave. You know, some people, they would put a lot in the pot. They would, they would sacrifice. In fact, the Pharisees would boast about how much offering and contribution they gave. God was like, keep it. Why are you giving that to me? I don't want that. I want your heart. Keep your money. Give me your heart instead. I want your life. I don't want what's in your bank account. I don't need that. I want your life. And that's the thing that fasting helps us to see, is we're, see our need for God, our desperate need for the Lord Almighty. So the question is, should Christians fast today? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think the Old Testament makes a good argument about why people fasted, how long, and all the different specifics. Now, let me just give you a few practicals. Uh, when it comes to fasting, because I'm, in, I'm, a, I'm hoping that we're going to start practicing this in our lives, because at the end of the day, it's expected, but then we also need this. We also need humbling before the Lord. And so, don't go out and fast just because it sounds like a cool thing to do. Now, I wasn't really worried about y'all doing that. Because I really don't think it is a cool thing to do. It's like people, I don't think, but I just, let me just put it out there anyway. Uh, take the subject seriously. Pray about it. You know, the parents, we're going to be fasting uh, this week on, on Wednesday. Take it seriously. You know, we're praying for our kids. We're praying for the salvation of our kids and others. Let's, let's really take it seriously. Fast only when you desperately desire God's help. Don't do it just because. You know, do it because you really need God's help. You really, uh, you really need God to intervene on the situation in your life. Now, if you've never fasted before, start slow. All right? Fast only for a brief period of time, which is why we're encouraging the sun up to sundown. I think you might be encouraged to know that the sun goes down a little earlier now. So it'll still be light outside. I remember when I would fast in the fall, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, it's 5 o'clock, and it's pitch black outside. And, you know, you're just waiting. You know, you, you want it to be, you know, you want to be over, but that's not the right attitude to have about fasting. That's why I'm like, I was convicted when I was studying. I'm like, man, there have been days where I've been like, man, I can't wait for this thing to be over. Um, and slow, all right? If you're breaking the fast, don't inhale a Shake Shack meal. Break it with some fruit, maybe a salad, but don't go get a, a burger because you're, you know, because that, you know, you want to, you want to slow, you want to work into it. You want to ease out of it. And so don't go and you'll kill yourself. If you go and you, you know, you eat this, you'll, I mean, you'll, you'll get sick. So slow down, get some fruit, vegetables, whatever, whatever your meal is going to be that day. You know, make it light. Ease yourself out of it. Set aside some time during your fast to pray and meditate on why you're fasting. 
You know, that's the whole point is for us to connect with why we're fasting. Not to just fast because we're told to or not because we really need something, but also let me think about what do I need to change? What is God showing me through this time of humbling, uh, humiliation? And then also remember the purpose. Humble yourself before God, seeking a favorable answer to your prayer and for some important plea. You know, I think we all have something that we can take to God and fast about. You know, there's a lot. And if you don't have any, if your life is great, and there's nothing going on in your life that you feel like you need God to intercede on, then amen. We, you know, we're thankful for that. But maybe you can fast for someone else. Maybe you can fast for our immigration situation that's going on in our country. Maybe you can fast for our government. Maybe you can fast for our economy. Maybe you can fast for, you know, for, for all the things that's threatening Christianity today. So if you don't have anything personally going on in your life, fast for something else where you need God's intervention. Amen? So what have we learned so far today? Only one fast was specifically commanded in the Old Testament. Only one fast, and that was on the Day of Atonement. People often fasted when they wanted God to hear their prayers, and God expected it to be an afflicting of the soul, self-denying, humbling of the souls. But fasting was fruitless. When people did it for the wrong reasons, when it was done without true repentance. And we also have seen that there were no set principles concerning the length or nature of fasting. God did not command us to fast on a certain day, a certain way every day or uh, going forward. So we're not commanded the when and the how long. God leaves that up to you and I. How much do we really need God involved will depend on where your heart is at and where your needs are at. Amen? Next week, we're going to learn about fasting in the, in the New Testament. And our brother, uh, Ed McCall, is going to take us home in uh, next week's lesson on fasting. I love you guys, and thank you for your attention.